Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Your Devotion to Mary on Numbers Support Your Restoration Radio. I am your host, Alexander Krasik, and I am joined by our guest, Father Herman Fleece, professor at Most Holy Trinity Seminary in Brooksville, Florida. Welcome to the show, Father. Thank you. I'm happy to be here again. In this episode, we will continue our study of the book, True Devotion to Mary by St. Louis de Montfort. And in this episode, we will cover the final chapter of the book, Part 2, Chapter 4, which is entitled, Particular Practices of This Devotion. In Article 1, St. Louis covers exterior practices, telling us that while the essentials consist in the interior, we still must not forget about the exterior, which has an importance all its own and aids us and our neighbor in the advancement towards spiritual perfection. So we can skip over the first practice, which is on the specifics of the preparatory exercises and the consecration, as we will have episodes specifically dedicated to these, and move on to some of the other practices which St. Louis relates to us. And we can start with a true treasure, the Hail Mary and the Rosary. The importance of these two devotions, this can't be emphasized enough, can they, Father? Uh, no, certainly no. And um, yes, um, on that point, I would first would like to quote the a phrase of the saint, he says, the Hail Mary is the most beautiful of all prayers after the Our Father. So that's saying a lot, obviously. And then he says, quote, the Hail Mary well said that this with devotion, attention, devotion, and modesty is, according to the saints, the enemy of the devil, which puts him to flight, and the hammer which crushes him. It is a sanctification of the soul. And then the Hail Mary is a heavenly dew which fertilizes the soul. So these are quotes from the, from the very book itself. And um, yes, the Hail Mary and the saint explains this uh, in this book and I think uh, elsewhere, that um, the Hail Mary is said with, as it ought to be said, that this with attention and devotion, obviously not merely with the lips, is a true secret of sanctity and a sign of predestination. Uh, to save our soul, we must overcome the temptations of the devil, the world, and the flesh. And we cannot do that without uh, the help of actual graces. And uh, these temptations obviously are frequent. And the means to get the, the help of the actual graces is prayer. Um, so that means that if we have the habit of reciting the Hail Mary, especially when we are tempted, we are asking our Lady to pray for us now and uh, then we are going to receive the help we need at the moment to overcome whatever temptation we are undergoing. And then Our Lady always hears our petition, if it is sincere, and her prayers uh, obtain uh, infallibly from God those graces that we need uh, in each moment. Uh, this is according to what Our Lord says, ask and you shall receive. Uh, so, really, there is no temptation that we cannot overcome with the Hail Mary, well said. And um, so I will say, uh, for our listeners, it's a very good supernatural habit to say a Hail Mary with great confidence when we are tempted, when we need precisely help. And that's the moment to, um, in which we need to pray precisely. And um, it doesn't matter how great the temptation is, God will help us and give us uh, the graces we we need. And then, as I just said, the saint also says that the Hail Mary is uh, a sign of predestination. Uh, that is, by each Hail Mary we, we say we grow in hope because we, uh, we have a greater hope of attaining eternal salvation. 
in each Hail Mary, we are praying Our Lady that she pray for us at the moment of death. And um, so the more we say it, as it, you know, with devotion and attention, obviously, we are making more sure our eternal salvation. And uh, in a way, preparing actually for death, which is the, the key moment for salvation. Um, so because of all those reasons, one can say that the Hail Mary is the key to heaven. And it's a very easy secret for sanctity and salvation. Very easy because it's obviously simple, short, can be said. You don't need books, you don't need good memory to know long prayers. And um, so it really, really makes uh, spiritual life easy. We are tempted, we pray, and then by the help of God, we can overcome. And if we move to the rosary, obviously, besides the fact that it is composed mainly of Hail Marys and our fathers, um, it is true to say that it has an incomparable power to obtain graces, and especially the grace of one sanctification and salvation, which obviously are the most important ones. Uh, and here I would like to point out that, this, uh, that uh, the Catholic Church, who is the sole teacher appointed by our Lord Jesus Christ to teach all men infallibly the road to heaven and to sanctity, the Church herself has most emphatically exhorted, especially by the Supreme Pontiffs, that all the faithful recite the Rosary, as being after the Mass, the Liturgy and the Sacraments, one of the most excellent means for sanctity and salvation. Now, this fact alone will be enough to move someone to devotion and persevere in devotion to the Rosary. That is, the Church recommends it vehemently, and uh, that should be enough. But I'm sure people are thinking of some um, of the of the apparitions of Our Lady, and that is is fine. That will be uh, in a way as if Almighty God had set His seal or confirmed what the the pontiffs um, have said about the Rosary. Um, they are direct interventions of heaven, obviously. And um, to give just one example, and perhaps the most well known is when Our Lady appeared in Lourdes to Saint Bernadette. So she had a rosary in her arm and she induced the saint and the other ones to, to pray it. Um, Our Lady in the, in the apparitions uh, even passed the, the beads so she would move along the rosary, thus showing that uh, how pleasing it was to, to her. So what we can say is that Divine Providence has given many signs and uh, even miraculous signs of the approbation of the rosary. So in our days, to to neglect the rosary will be um, will be really extremely blind. You were talking about um, you mentioned saying the Hail Mary well said, and it's easy, especially with the rosary, to get into that robotic, automatic, just saying the words, and we're not so much praying them, just reciting them, and we're not meditating on the mysteries as we pray. Maybe how can we avoid this in prayer and make our prayer? The most pleasing to God. Well, it's a very, very good question and point. Uh, yes, I will remark that um, the first thing I will say: we have to be resolved to have perseverance in the daily rosary, notwithstanding the distractions. That is, we we will now see how we can try to fight them, but it has to be out of the question that we we'll cease praying it. We will try to pray it each day better as far as possible. But uh, we, we have to persevere. And then, okay, how do we attack the distractions? 
Well, there are the voluntary and the involuntary distractions. That's the main uh, distinction here. And um, we have to fight against the voluntary ones. And then the involuntary ones, we will have sometimes to have patience with those. So the voluntary ones essentially means that we allow by our will, that is, we neglect to avoid distractions when we can. So we give free reign to the mind to just go around while we say the rosary so we finish it. And the involuntary one is we are trying to pray and to say and even to meditate the mysteries as we should, but the mind still wanders about and presents all sorts of images and whatnot. And um, so the involuntary ones, really we have to have patience and persevere. We have to go through the mysteries even though the mind goes astray um, because that's part of the merit. And I would like to give the example of St. Teresa of Lisieux. She was a great saint and she loved Our Lady very much, etc. So she wanted to pray her rosary basically perfectly. And she had actually that disposition as far as her will. But when she started praying, she could not manage very well to move the imagination to, to follow the mysteries. And uh, so many times she would not be able to really make the pictures of the mysteries, but she will still, again, perseverance, she will still go through them and finish her rosary, etc. And that was obviously, it tries our patience and our humility. But my point is, for the listeners, don't think that because you didn't manage to uh, think too much about the mysteries, it was badly said. Because we have canonized saints that had the same problems that we, that we did. What St. Therese did not is to yield to any voluntary distractions. That is, she was trying to pray the best she could, but the head sometimes doesn't obey, obviously, and those were involuntary distractions. So those happen very frequently. So I think one has to be realistic and say uh, we have to do it with a sense of uh, being disinterested and humble. We are doing it for Our Lady and then also for our salvation. And then we have to understand that many times, most of the times, we won't succeed too well in picturing the mysteries, but we have to try. And if we do, then Our Lady is pleased. The second notable practice that he presents to us is that we should have a special devotion to the mystery of the Incarnation. Yes, the saint uh, gives some remarks on this, and he says essentially that the devotion of the Holy Slavery has its ends, and those match or fit very well with the mystery of the Incarnation. So, he says that the first end of the holy slavery is to honor and imitate the dependence which God, the Son, has been pleased to have on Mary uh, for his Father's glory and our salvation. And um, he says, the saint says that this, this dependence, obviously this free dependence that our Lord chose to have, is shown particularly in this mystery uh, because our Lord obviously became incarnate in the womb of our Lady and he dwelt there for nine months. So he was dependent on her care and nourishment. And that's why it, um, it reflects that aspect of this devotion. And then uh, he says that the second end of the Holy Slavery is to thank God for all his graces, uh, especially the ones that he has given to Our Lady. And then obviously here we see the greatest grace that Our Lady will receive, which is to become the mother of God. So in those two ways, it kind of fits perfectly with this devotion. So he also, during this section, draws our attention to his using the term the slavery of Jesus and Mary and why he thinks it is more prudent 
to do so instead of saying the slave of Mary, which we could also justly use. Yes, yes, the sense is very clear. The sense is very clear that either either is fine. Uh, we are the slaves of our Lord as our end and our lady the only to go to our Lord. The saint says that it's more prudent essentially to speak of the slavery of Jesus in Mary. And that uh, essentially is to avoid the, you might say, the murmuring or, or even the admiration or scandal depending of other people. That is in itself is fine, but uh, some people, regardless of their intention, they might get uh, the wrong impression that we are taking our lady as our last ten, so if we the slave of of Mary, and then where then where is uh, our Lord in the picture, kind of thing. Which is obviously it's um, there's lack of wisdom there. I want to see the connection, but you know some people might be weaker or not very well disposed to the devotion. So he says in order to remove any unnecessary occasion for their misunderstanding or misrepresenting the devotion. He says, "What well, we put, uh, we make it clear that our Lord is is our end, and we only use devotion to our Lady as a means towards the end." We should also recite often the beautiful Magnificat, which Saint Louis says, "Quote: It is the only prayer, the only work which the Holy Virgin composed, or rather, which Jesus composed in her, for He spoke by her mouth. It is the greatest sacrifice of praise which God ever received from a pure creature in the law of grace." Unquote. Yes, and then uh, the Magnificat is one of the most beautiful uh, ways to, um, and most effective also ways to give thanks to, to God because we thank God in union with our Lady. So with, with her, we, we give thanks to our common Lord. And um, so our Lady is the most favored of creatures. So it's, um, you may say, very helpful to give thanks to God for his benefits in union with Our Lady. She received the, the greatest graces and we received also our share, so we are giving thanks, you might say, uh, in union with her. St. Louis also relates to us what seems to be just so fitting a practice for this holy slavery, that of wearing the little chains as a sign of this slavery. It, just, it seems so very fitting to have this sensible reminder of our total consecration. And as we've said before, this isn't just a consecration to be recited and forgotten, but rather something to be lived. It seems that this could also easily be done without drawing any extra attention to ourselves, as perhaps it could be a bracelet or, as a friend even re remarked to me once, that it could just be the chain upon which our personal crucifix hangs around our neck. Yes. Um, yes, the, the idea um, of the saint regarding the, the tradition of the chain is that this material chain, so to speak, the metal chain, essentially reminds us of the vows we did in baptism and the obligations that come from them. That is that we have to serve our Lord, essentially. And uh, also they remind us of the renewal we did uh, woodenly by this devotion. And then St. Louis points out very, very rightly and, and really hitting the nail that man, and this is very true and we know by experience, that man essentially shapes his way and his actions more by the externals, the senses, than by purely spiritual notions, which is true because that's more in accordance, to, in accordance with our nature. And therefore, we use something external that we will see with our senses to help us uh, recall a, a spiritual reality, essentially. Now, that is extremely uh, wise 
because, for example, we might just come across, you might say, as you would say, by accident to something external, you know, and it happens, I'm sure you have the, the experience that sometimes you just see a rosary on the table or something, and then you might actually remember, oh, I haven't said my rosary or something. You see something purely material, but it does help us in our spiritual life. And um, so I think that's his main point. And then again, he, he wants us always to keep, you might say, fresh in our mind, this dependence we have uh, on our Lord. And therefore he wants that even the senses help us to do so. Next, we have the little crown of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which is composed of three Our Fathers and Twelve Hail Marys in honor of Our Lady's Twelve Privileges and Grandeurs, which is an ancient prayer having its roots in sacred scripture. St. Louis gives us a good example of how to pray the little crown. But as a refresher, what are the Twelve Privileges of Our Lady that we honor by this prayer? Yes, that's a very good question. and uh, I will give some time to it because I think it's, um, it's very interesting. So the first thing we have to say is about the privileges, the 12 privileges of Our Lady. So this means essentially singular graces which no other saint has received. And then the privileges uh, of Our Lady are traditionally numbered uh, as 12, just like in this book. And this uh, number 12 corresponds to the 12 stars which uh, the woman crowned was crowned with in the Apocalypse. Uh, and then the, the Holy Fathers say that this, uh, this woman is Our Lady. So then the doctors and spiritual writers essentially arrange the privileges of Our Lady to match these 12 stars or the number 12. Now, very interesting, uh, it is interesting to, to point out that the saints and doctors, uh, they don't agree um, necessarily in which are those 12. They all say there are 12, obviously but they give either a different order or even different uh, privileges themselves. Uh, so, for example, St. Bernard um, uh, has his own, his own uh, list. He says, we can see, uh, St. Bernard says, I will ever received four privileges from heaven, her wonderful origin, the salutation of the angel, and the intervention of the Holy Ghost in the Incarnation. She received four privileges as to the flesh, namely that she was the first to consecrate her virginity, that she was fruitful while remaining inviolate, was pregnant without any discomfort and gave birth without any pain. Finally, he gives four privileges of heart, the beauty of her purity, the devotion of her humility, the magnanimity of her faith and the martyrdom of her heart by the cross. So that's St. Bernard. And then but we have, for example, St. Albert, another doctor of the church, St. Albert gives another list of 12 privileges. And um, so, and they are different. There's also St. Antoninus, etc. So the point is that there is not a single set of 12 privileges, um, but in this devotion, different saints have considered different graces of Our Lady. And um, so that's as far as the privileges themselves. Now as to the method, uh, there is also variety of methods that is different um, spiritual authors, etc., present the different ways how you arrange it and if you intermingle the Our Father how many times and, and all the rest. So there are different ways of saying it. Uh, but obviously here we are focusing on St. Louis. So I will read what he, what is his method um, to say this devotion. He says, uh, there are many ways of saying this corona or crown well. 
that it would be too long to enter upon them, the Holy Ghost will teach them to those who are the most faithful to this devotion. Nevertheless, to say it quite simply, we should begin by saying, Dignare me laudare te, Virgo Sacrata, da mici virtutem contra hostes tuos. After that, we should say the creed, and then uh, the Our Father with four Hail Marys, and then one Glory Be. Then another Our Father, four Hail Marys, and one Glory Be, and so on with the rest. And at the end, we should say the Subtum Presidium. So this is the, you might say, the structure that the saint uh, you know, follows, uh, which is very good and simple, so one should very well follow that. Now, it's interesting to, to note that um, our saint is following, uh, to a great extent, a uh, Jesuit father called uh, François Poirier, who was um, essentially very influential in determining this devotion in the, in the form that we just presented. And again, the, this um, spiritual author, this Father Poiret, uh, makes an interesting point, uh, we just spoke about it. He says, uh, this does not mean, so he gives his, his method first, and then he says, this does not mean, however, that the 12 salutations correspond exactly to the 12 prerogatives I have just listed. So he gives he gave his own list. Others may be substituted in their place as the particular devotion of the person saying it is to be the guiding principle. So, in other words, uh, the Jesuit Poiret gave the division that St. Louis follows, but he says it's not necessary to stick to this exact number and division. And we, the listener can use uh, other 12 graces that uh, the other saints have uh, pointed out, which is so St. Bernard and St. Albert. And so this, uh, according to uh, Father Poiré and uh, St. Louis follows uh, him, the division will be first a crown of excellence, and in this one we honor the divine maternity of Our Lady, her ineffable virginity, her purity without stain, and her innumerable virtues. Then the second uh, set of four aves will be the crown of power, with this, we honor the queenship of the Blessed Virgin, her magnificence, her universal mediation, and the strength of her rule. And then the third set of four Hail Marys will be the crown of goodness, in which we honor the mercy of the Blessed Virgin towards sinners, the poor, the just, and the dying. So that's, you might say, how the saint following Fire Poiré divides the privileges and also the method of saint. Lastly, he mentions the need to have contempt of the world and make flight from it, something we've, of course, talked about before, but it cannot be overstated, this need to detach ourselves from the world more and more and to attach ourselves to Almighty God more and more. Yes, um, uh, yes, it's, the saint rightly insists on it because um, the spirit of the world is obviously diametrically opposed to the spirit of the gospel and of our Lord. And hence, we have to always fight against it because we have to essentially get rid of the spirit of the world every time more. And obviously there are gradations, right? At the beginning, one can be really given to the spirit of the world and worldliness. And then perhaps one converts and is essentially following Christ, but it will be mingled with some you know, residue of that spirit. So really the battle is continuous and we have to always uh, 
you know, just like what they say with gardening that you have to, it's not okay, I took the weeds and that takes care. You have to come back constantly and see, and they come up <laughs> really fast again. So I think that's part of the idea. So then the fight has to be constant. And uh, so that essentially we remove one of the greatest obstacles to essentially being filled with the spirit of, of the gospel and of our Lord uh, and therefore to make progress. So it's really something negative, removing an obstacle, but it's, it's quite important. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Is there anything else you'd like to add in summary before we close it out, Father? Um, well, I will say we can uh, take with us, so to speak, uh, of this show, the, the importance of the Hail Mary and the Rosary, and then the, the beautiful devotion of the, of the Crown of Our Lady, and then knowing that um, we can follow the, the exact method of our saint or of some other saints that have, uh, have also presented other methods. Well, Father, thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you again next time as we continue this series. May God bless you. Thank you very much. God bless you.